everyone, and welcome to the ALN Academy podcast. This is Angelica. In our previous masterclass on PPPs and infrastructure, Amin Musa provided an overview of the importance of proper risk allocation to the success of PPP projects. The objective of today's masterclass is to provide an introduction to project finance, its fundamental distinctions from corporate financing, and to look at two case studies that put the topic in context. This masterclass is part of a series of virtual trainings that the ALN Kenya and Jarwala and Kana's Projects and Infrastructure Department has prepared on public-private partnerships and project finance. Amin Musa is a partner and the head of the Projects and Infrastructure Department at ANK and is generally considered the leading energy and projects lawyer in the country. He specializes in energy, projects, infrastructure, natural and renewable resources, as well as real estate and privatization. I am pleased to introduce to you Amin Musa. My name is Amin Musa, and I head our projects and infrastructure practice at Anjawala and Kana. The purpose of this session today is to discuss uh, public-private partnerships, uh, especially given the increasing importance we are seeing being placed by many governments, including the Kenyan government, on financing infrastructure through public-private uh, partnerships. We'll actually look at uh, very briefly, uh, look at project finance and understand how project finance is now dealt with. We will look at this concept in, in much more detail in our later trainings <clears throat> and understand how we structure financing. On PPP, financing by and large comes from two parties. The equity parties that form the sponsors and the developers and the debt financiers who provide various forms of loans, senior lending, mezzanine financing. And typically, these are ring-fenced through the special purpose vehicle. And therefore, we refer to this as non-recourse project finance. Uh, and we will understand these structures in much more detail in the later stages uh, of this uh, training program. <clears throat> so many times we are asked, what is the difference between project finance and corporate finance? Uh, isn't this, in fact, the same thing? There's a fundamental difference actually between the two. Uh, and typically project finance is what is used to structure transactions in the infrastructure and the PPP space. Uh, and the reason for that is these tend to be non-recourse transactions. What do I mean by that? In these situations, if the project company is unable to pay, the lenders have no recourse to the sponsors and the developers. 
Now, there may be some exceptions to the rule whereby sponsors and developers are required to provide what we call equity support. But typically, that equity support is not a full-blown guarantee of the obligations uh, of the project company. And in those situations, that's what we call non-recourse finance. And because it is non-recourse, the lenders and the equity providers look at the contractual structure in great detail. Because lenders have no recourse ultimately to equity or the sponsors, they need to ensure that the risk allocation package works very well, that the contractual documents are robust and deal with the various risk allocation structures because frankly, if something goes wrong, they have no recourse or they have very limited recourse to the sponsors of the project. On a corporate finance deal, it is not unusual for full-blown corporate guarantees, bank guarantees, and other collateral to be provided to secure the lenders. Secondly, as I had explained earlier, the project company typically in an infrastructure project is a special purpose vehicle. In other words, a new company that has been incorporated solely to undertake one project. In other words, their balance sheet is frankly nominal at that stage. Unlike an operating company that will already have cash flows, that will already have assets, that will already have a strong balance sheet that a lender can rely on, <clears throat> typically the lenders will also not be able to rely on the balance sheet of the project company. Hence, once again, the importance of the structure and the contractual arrangements of this transaction. There are a number of other differences around the security package, the fees, the tenor. Project finance deals typically have a much longer loan repayment period than a corporate finance. And so because infrastructure and PPP projects typically use non-recourse project finance, the robustness of the structure, the robustness of the risk allocation, the robustness of the contracts is fundamental to get lenders comfortable to lend money on a non-recourse project finance basis. And so, as we explained earlier, the ecosystem of the various counterparties uh, to a project uh, finance transaction will involve, firstly, your project company that is typically owned by the sponsors and the shareholders. They will have contracts with government, with suppliers, with contractors, with operators, and very importantly, with all the lenders and the various financing parties. To end this discussion, 
uh, I thought it'd be useful to show you a live example of a transaction that we did many years ago acting for the sponsors. Uh, and I'm sure many of you <clears throat> are aware of and know of the Lake Turkana wind power project, a 300 megawatt wind project that has been constructed and is currently operating in Marsabit, uh, one of the first renewable projects in Kenya, uh, and a highly complex project given its size, given its scale, given its remoteness, and for other reasons. Uh, and if you look at this contract structure that we have on the screen, you can get a sense of how many different contracts we have to deal with as a project company, how many different counterparties we have to deal with, uh, and how we try to ensure that these various contracts talk to each other in a suitable way, and that the lenders who sit on top of the uh, slide, lenders like African Development Bank, Proparco, FMO, would ultimately get comfortable with the risk allocation structure and the contracting package. So you see government contracts uh, in relation to the power purchase agreement, the letter of support, you see various construction contracts. So in this case, a very unique structure of construction was used. Instead of having a single EPC contract, uh, the project company had multiple EPC contracts uh, with various parties. Uh, further to that, you had an ancillary project that was being developed by the government, and that was the development and the construction of the transmission line <clears throat> that was almost 400 kilometers long. And so you had two concurrent projects that had to work together. Uh, and that is part of the uniqueness, uh, in my view, uh, of this project. But I hope this pictorial representation gives you some idea of how complex uh, these transactions can be. Uh, in addition to that, we have also put forward a pictorial representation of another project that we acted on. This is a heavy fuel oil project developed by Triumph Power. Actually, the reason uh, we have this representation is to explain and show what we started to see at the very beginning uh, at that time, this was many years ago, what we call the Chinese phenomenon to infrastructure projects. Uh, what do I mean by that? So if you look at the transaction structure uh, of this project, in those days, this was unique in some respects from a sub-Saharan Africa perspective. And in fact, in some respects, it was unique from a global perspective. Uh, and like I said, I think this was one of the very first projects where you saw Chinese involvement in terms of lending and construction 
to infrastructure and PPP projects. Uh, it was typically unheard of for Chinese contractors to be involved in PPP projects. <clears throat> they may have been involved in traditional procurement projects, but in East Africa, generally, traditional contractors from Europe, America, etc., were used. Uh, this was certainly, in my view, one of the first in East Africa in having a Chinese contractor uh, undertake uh, a construction contract under a PPP arrangement. Uh, since then, obviously, we have seen a huge number of contractors uh, get involved also in PPP projects. <clears throat> in addition to that, this project was unique in that it was probably one of the first times in sub-Saharan Africa that the debt financing came from commercial banks and there was no DFI lending. Uh, by DFI, I mean development financial institutions like African Development Bank, CDC, IFC, etc. <clears throat> These are the traditional lenders of money to infrastructure projects. They still constitute a majority of the funding uh, that comes into infrastructure projects, but this is the first time I believe in sub-Saharan Africa that an infrastructure project was fully funded by commercial bank money. And more importantly, by a Chinese commercial bank, ICBC in this case. <clears throat> what was also unique about this project is at that time, together with a couple of other projects that were being developed, in East, in East Africa, the MEGA political risk insurance guarantee was developed with the World Bank, and an IDA partial risk guarantee was also developed with the World Bank. In addition to these products being fairly unique at that time, it is my understanding that it was the first time on a global basis that a Chinese commercial bank, ICBC, received the benefit of a World Bank guarantee. Uh, and therefore, like I said, I think this project shows how the infrastructure space has changed so dramatically with new entrants to the markets. Now, not only just from China, uh, but also from other countries like Turkey, countries in Latin America, uh, et cetera. And so <clears throat> we see this space evolving further and further as new and more interesting players bring their input into structuring these very complex arrangements, uh, but that allow countries to benefit and its citizens to benefit if they are well-structured, and they provide value for money to the country and to the citizens uh, of that country. I believe I have actually now come to the end of my presentation. <clears throat> and like I said earlier, we will have following this presentation over the course of several months, many more detailed presentations around the specific aspects of PPPs uh, but I hope you found this introductory session helpful. 
uh, to give you a basic understanding uh, of what we mean by PPP transactions uh, and what is involved in a general sense of putting together these transactions. Thank you for listening to this episode. In our next masterclass, we will look at introducing to a greater extent the typical types of finance documents that would be involved in a project finance transaction. Taking us through this will be Ian Gaita, partner at ALN Kenya and Jarwalankana. Ian is a corporate commercial lawyer with over 10 years of experience. His practice focuses on mergers and acquisitions, private equity transactions, and joint ventures both in the UAE as well as cross-border transactions with a sub-Saharan Africa focus. Please remember to subscribe to our ALN Academy podcast to receive notifications when we upload new episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our ALN Academy's YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Stay up to current on our content by following at ALN Academy on Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Goodbye.